This episode is brought to you by Casper. Get $50 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash talking dead and using promo code talking dead at checkout. That's casper.com slash talking dead and using promo code talking dead at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Well, greetings, everybody. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 361, recorded on Monday, the 25th of February, 2018. Nope. You got that wrong. Slightly wrong. It's the 26th of February. (laughs) Monday, the 26th of February, 2018. And I should know that because it's a special day. It is your birthday, Mr. Miles. It's getting uh, less and less special as time goes on and more and more annoying, but that's okay. But uh, that's the only reason I really knew that you got the date wrong was that uh, I I happened to remember that it was my birthday today. Well, that's that's good. And, uh, you know, birthdays may get less and less special and more and more annoying, but you still want to have them. So do you? I think you really I think you do. And uh, I know that all of our listeners would like to wish you a happy birthday, as would I. Well, well, thank you. I I hope you can uh, take some time today to celebrate with Jasper and Jenny and do whatever you're going to do. Plan on dinner and a bath and then bedtime. Hey, for you or the kid? uh, Everybody. All three. Just all cram in there together. Yeah, we'll just cram in there together. (laughs) Birthday bath. (laughs) (laughs) The annual birthday bath. (laughs) That's right. Yeah, we take a bath once a year, whether we need it or not. Oh, perfect. Beautiful. Sounds like a fun time. Well, happy birthday. And you know, everyone, I know what would make Jason absolutely exceptionally happy on his birthday and the best present you could give him. What's that? That would be to send in an entry for our Record Your Favorite Scene contest. Oh, I do love that. Yeah. So in case you don't know what this is, uh, every year or most years we do, or we ask our listeners to choose a scene from any season of The Walking Dead and record it on your phone with your friends, your family, or by yourself, and then send it in. It's kind of a way for you to have you put your own little spin on this show we call The Walking Dead, and uh, you have a chance to win some really, really great prizes. Uh, I go through that, of course, because uh, we are also here today today to talk about the mid-season premiere of the show for season eight, and a lot of new listeners are probably coming on, people are coming back who don't stick with us through the hiatus and so on. So I did want to remind everyone that this is ongoing until the end of season eight, uh, at which time we'll choose our favorite and send out that big prize pack. So I want to play an entry right now in the contest to give people some inspiration or some ideas. This one comes from Dennis in Moscow. Little pig, little pig, let me in. Who are you? What do you need? Wakey, wakey, expand cakey. Ow! Silence, Simon. 
It's not the time yet. I wanna take my boy Daryl back. I know he's inside. Okay, Eugene, open the gates. Wow, look at you. Eugene, who are you? I'm Negan. I've always been Negan. My mother wanted to name me Negan, but father said that was a stupid idea. If you give me some pickles, I will be twice Negan. Okay, that's a boy. Whoa, I missed you, Daryl. Say to me, who are you? Who are you? You must be kidding. I'm gonna ask you one more time. Who are you? I'm Daryl. What the hell? Holy crap! Stupid little brick name trick. I'm gonna kill you. All of you. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow. But nothing is gonna change that. Nothing. All right, thank you very much, Dennis, for that from Moscow. That was fun. That was fun. It was it was a bit of a group up of scenes, I think. And, that's okay. Uh, yeah, that's okay. Of course, Dennis, and I think he he added his own little embellishments there at, at times. <laughs> so uh, that was really great. Thank you, Dennis, for sending that in. And I, you know, you don't need sound effects. You don't need uh, music backing tracks or anything like that. You just need to perform the scene in whatever way you see fit. So. If you'd like to submit an entry for that contest, please get that recording done. It doesn't have to be a fantastic recording. You don't need a recording studio. You just need a phone or a computer or anything with a microphone. And then uh, email it into talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. And like I said before, Jason and I will pick our favorite at the end of season eight. And uh, you get that big prize pack, which includes lots of things, including a complete set of the... Uh, uh, all out war comic variant covers that are sort of GI Joe inspired that were exclusive to San Diego Comic-Con this year Nice uh, back in the summer and uh, walking Dead monopoly so a couple of t-shirts things like that so there's all kinds of good stuff in there um, and uh, you can have a chance to win it by sending in your recording cool all right Jason let's move into our detailed recap of season 8 episode 9 no title read this week but that's okay some people uh, tend to forget that we we play those two once in a while. The episode was called Honor. And Honor? Are you sure? I thought it was Honor. Honor? <laughs> yeah, I was, I'm pretty sure it's Honor. Okay, we can go with Honor if you okay. want. <laughs> uh, it was spelled Honor without a U, which is uh, deeply offensive to us Canadians. But we'll Which is fine. why I think it's called Honor. Honor. Because it's not spelled correctly, so I just have to go with, you know, how it sounds. Hey, don't say something is spelled incorrectly just because it's different. <laughs> I've gotten in trouble for things like that before. <laughs> spelled non-Canadian, non-British. Non, uh, non there you go. That works. Non-British. Just like driving on the right side of the road in Canada is the non-British way of doing it. That's correct. <laughs> which I learned <laughs> earlier this year. <laughs> 
Anyways, uh, title reads. If you want to hear yourself read the title, again, just record yourself reading the title. You can find most of them on Wikipedia or IMDb after they're announced and then send that into us. And we love to hear people do their own performances on title reads, too. So uh, do that. TalkingDeadPodcast at gmail.com. All right, let's open this episode, Jason, with our recap, and we start on that close-up shot of Rick's red eyes once again. We've seen this before uh, in the first half of the season, and we see him say, my mercy prevails over my wrath again. Mm -hmm. Still not really any context here. We don't know where he is, what he's doing, what's going on, but by the end of the episode, we find out. Yeah, we got an idea. We have an idea. That's right. I wouldn't say we find out, but we have an idea. We'll get to that. We go ahead in time again into that sort of soft focus uh, future Alexandria or future Walking Dead world that we've seen before. We have Rick with his big beard. He approaches Jerry with the girl with the straight hair who mm -hmm. we've don't really have identified yet at this point. But again, we will later on. Jerry is there. He's on masonry duty. He says Sadiq roped, it, roped him into it because he's impossible to say no to, and Sadiq is there working as well. Um, Jerry seems to be really friendly with the little girl. He picks her up. You know, he's really great. But nobody says her name, so nope. we don't know who she is at this point. She's a mystery. She is a mystery girl for now. Uh, but it's interesting to see Sadiq there. So in this... Future universe, future world, Sadiq is part of the group and he's alive and he's helping out and he seems to be an important part of the team. And he's a Mason. And he's a Mason, exactly. He's Perfect. a super helpful guy. Yeah. Um, but we cut back to Rick and Michonne digging something and she starts crying. So. Yeah, I think they're looking for treasure. But, you know, without context, I just assume that anybody digging is looking for treasure. Well, Rick's been known to bury guns before, so maybe he buried yeah. some guns and they're trying to remember where he buried them. So they're digging them up. Yeah. Just digging holes all over the place going, nope, no guns here. Yeah. No, this is not the treasure location. There's <laughs> no X at this particular spot. It is not. That marks it. The map was all wrong. Yeah. Uh, now we see Carl arriving back at Alexandria. So we're jumping around a little bit here with Sadiq. He's brought Sadiq back. He takes him down into the sewer and says, just until I talk to my dad. So he's kind of sneaking him in and- yep. Putting you know, him in a hole. Putting him in a hole saying, wait here, I'm going to talk yeah. to my dad and then I'll come back for you. You wouldn't mind hanging up in the sewer, would you? I no. hear that they all, that you all float down there. <laughs> okay. Everything floats down there. Yeah, that's right. Um, so they go down into the sewer. Then we see Carl treating his wound in front of a mirror, his abdominal bite, of course. We see him talking to Tobin on the wall and Tobin gives Carl a note from Michonne uh, that says, I had to see for myself. I'm sorry. I didn't say goodbye first. We'll be back soon. So that's just her. As we know, she left to go and check out what was going on at the sanctuary. Um, right. and she left a note for Carl cause he wasn't around. We see Carl in his room writing notes and we learn here that he didn't just write a note to his dad, also to at least Michonne and Enid, but there's a big stack of notes. So it looks like he's written letters to a lot of people. Yeah and uh, is planning on distributing them later at some point. And this is all sort of intercut with him bringing supplies to Sadiq in the sewer and trying to make him as comfortable as possible and kind of just hanging out with him too, being his buddy. Yeah, you don't want to just put somebody in a sewer and leave them there. You want to, you know, bring them a pillow. <laughs> right, and a cot and some other comforts. So you're not going to be uh, just lonely and dirty down there. And 
We also see him sitting in a rocking chair with Judith on the porch. They do handprints of each other taking a, a Polaroid. Um, we see him planting a tree or something as Michonne arrives back and they wave at each other. And Carl takes off his hat and sort of smiles up towards the sun. And all this is done more or less as a montage and is set to music. Right. And I think, what do you think the time frame is here? This is sort of like one overnight to the next day sort of thing. It's, I think it's all happening within a relatively short time. It is because he knows he doesn't have much time left, right? He's got to get those letters written. He's got to get that pillow distributed, the cot set up. He's got, there's a lot of work to do. Uh, You got to hang out with your little sister and take a selfie. Uh, Yeah. When you get, uh, when you get bit on the abdomen and you know that there's not much time left, you, uh, all of a sudden you're a busy guy. Well, you have a lot to do in a short period of time. And my point was just that he doesn't seem to be suffering from the bite very much yet. He's put a bandage on it, but he's not really sick. So I I feel like all this has happened, you know, in a fairly short period of time, 24 hours at most, probably overnight. He's also a tough son of a bitch, right? So uh, he can, he can hack it. Yeah, there is, there is that too, of course. Now we, we sort of go back in time again here, uh, after the Carl montage and we go to the sanctuary where Morgan is surveilling the place through his, the scope of his rifle, just keeping an eye on all the zombies that are outside and trapping them in there. And here we get more information on how the saviors actually got out. And it's sort of a bit of a mundane kind of plan and more or less what we expected. They decided that they would take the weapons and the ammunition that they do have and start just shooting the zombies outside and clearing a path for them to escape. Good good thing Eugene was there to come up with the idea or they'd all be dead. (laughs) It really is. Nobody else. Nobody else could have come up with this brilliant plan of, (laughs) I know guys, let's shoot them. Let's just shoot them, you know? Uh, well, we can't shoot them all. It's like, well, let's just shoot some of them so that we can, you know, clear a path. This is what the, uh, you know, what the Germans did in World War II. It's a blitzkrieg. You cut a hole and then you get everybody through that hole in the line. Mm-hmm. And then uh, and then you're behind enemy lines. You're gone. Well, that's what they did. They just shot as many as they could, piled them sort of conveniently so they could have a path out that door. And uh, they did this all by actually shooting them. So... You know, they didn't have to go in and move, bo- go out, I mean, and move bodies around and stuff like that. But as so soon they as- were worried, I just, sorry, just to step back a little bit. Yeah. They were worried. They didn't want to do this initially because it would take too much ammunition and they were hoping to get out without using any ammunition. But Eugene's idea was, well, we got to use the ammunition. It's like, well, are you sure you can make more? Yeah, I can make more. Right. That was it. On the condition that he can make more and replace it all for them. So, yeah, that, that seems really dumb to me. Like we've got all these bullets, we've got a problem that can be solved by bullets. Let's not use the bullets. Oh, I have an idea. Let's use the bullets. Okay, let's do that then. Yeah. That's brilliant. No, I know what you're saying, but I mean, I can also see the side of them thinking, well, we don't want to use up all this ammunition because sure, we do that, we get out of here, and then what are we going to do? We're completely defenseless if we are involved in some sort of actual fire fight war. And so it's really, really up to Eugene now to restock their ammunition supply. The bullets are pretty useless if you're dead too, right? Well, fair enough. They're useless if you're dead. I just think if the plan was to use up the bullets to kill the zombies, the first thing that they do probably isn't actually leave and go and attack Alexandria. The first thing they do is be like, okay, we're, we're safe now. 
or we're, we can get more food if we need it. Uh, let's start making those bullets as fast as we possibly can. Right. But anyways. We don't they, know if that happened though. No, no. I think what they did is they cleared those zombies and then they immediately left. And that's what we see in this episode. So we see some saviors come out. They start shooting up at Morgan in the window across the street. So they know because he's, he's there. Too, too damn close is the problem. He's extreme. Which is what we had from a number of episodes ago. They're right across the friggin' street. Right. They're you right know. there, but they know he's there. It's like, it's no secret. And they basically shoot him out of the window. They don't, they don't hit him. He has to retreat and flee the building. But he realizes that saviors are coming after him. So once outside, he attracts some nearby walkers to the door. And then Morgan escapes while the zombies are attacking the saviors who just come busting out of the door with no regard for anything. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. Sure. This is, uh, and this is going to, okay, let me just ask you the question. So I'm struggling with something and I need, I need your help. Uh, On a scale of one to 10, how hard do you want me to be on this episode? Because I feel like I'm going to be overly hard unless I have something that says, you know, just ease off a little bit, dude. You don't have to be this hard. And I'm hard on everything. I also was watching other movies over the weekend and I just, in mentally, I was chewing them up as well. I'm really hard on TV and movies lately. It's, 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 it's becoming a mental problem. Interesting. And so I'm asking you, how hard should I be on this episode? Should I, should I, I, I know that I shouldn't dial it all the way up to 10 because then I'm going to pick apart the opening credits. Right. And I know I shouldn't be dialing it all the way back to one or two because it would just be like, hey, this, this episode was great. It's fantastic. Well, and that, that'd be the end of the discussion. Okay. That's, that's an interesting question then, because we, we sort of do the recap and then at the end, talk a little bit about sort of what we thought about it. Uh, but I'm getting the feeling that you aren't too happy with this episode. I had some issues with it, but I think a lot of them are nitpicky. Mm-hmm. So this is why I'm, you know. I know I shouldn't go to 10, but should I, should I do seven? Well, like forget about the, uh, the magic guns, like just move, just forget about that altogether. And, uh, nobody reloads. There's no recoil. There's no bullet casings. We'll yeah. just, we're going to skip that altogether. That's a 10. Yeah. Okay. So let, I think that's a good idea. Let's dial it back a little bit because we've, we've talked about the, the, the weapons in this show, uh, a lot. And so have our listeners. So I don't know if we need to, to revisit that particular problem with the show, uh, so if you can dial back that a little bit, okay. if there's other stuff that's new or that's bugging you, then totally fine. Then bring it up. That's what we're here for. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm also going to ignore the, uh, the sharpened sticks in this episode because they played a relatively prominent role, mm-hmm. stabbing people with sharpened sticks mm-hmm. and, uh, stabbing somebody with a pointy stick is an insta kill in this episode. As soon as you touch somebody with a pointy stick, they die. Morgan did it a lot, but he's the stick man. Like this is what he does. Isn't that okay? Uh, not. He- well, yes and no, but okay, we have ribs. I don't know if you're aware of this, but our chests <laughs> contain ribs. What? And the and the point of these ribs, uh, other than helping us breathe, because there's muscles in between all these ribs and that we use the ribs to expand and, and breathe and that's all kind of good, right? Mm-hmm. But a lot of the point of the ribs is protection against shit, like sharp sticks. Right. Right. You can't just you know, use a little bit of force to stab somebody in the chest and instantly kill them. Not usually, no. No. So that's why we have, uh, you know, swords, which are sharper and stronger than sticks. Why we didn't just use sticks for our entire history. Because they don't work all that well. And when you whack somebody on the head with a stick, they don't die. When you whack somebody on the head with a stick, they don't go unconscious necessarily. My brother hit my cousin 
in the head with a baseball bat as hard as he could when we were about seven or eight. My brother has issues. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, clear. Uh, but he did hit my cousin Tijon in the head as hard as he, hard as he could. Uh, he got a bump on the head. He didn't lose consciousness. He did not die. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. So rant over. I'm going to let the stick thing go. Well, in this particular scene, was there a stick problem? No, but in this episode, there's a oh, stick okay. problem. I'm still trying to figure out where I should land on how hard I should be on this episode. <laughs> All right. So you're going to let the gun thing go. You're going to let the stick thing go. And yeah, it doesn't seem like it now, but yes. Okay. <laughs> right. After that, that's the last <laughs> I'm going to say on it. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. So I'm going to try. Okay. Um, but you're, you're also going to uh, give us your honest opinion and, and potentially find things you liked about the episode. You never know. Yeah, you never know. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> All right. Anyways, just to end this scene, Morgan uh, escapes while the zombies are attacking the saviors who come out of the door. And then we jump ahead a short time because we see Gavin driving down the road, leading a small group of saviors in their cars on the way to the kingdom. And Morgan is there hiding in the trees. And once they pass, he starts running in the same direction. So this is them on the way to the kingdom now before uh, everything we've seen that's already happened there. And uh, we go into the opening credits. So pretty good cold open, nice solid long one. I forgot we were even in the cold open while I was watching it. And then suddenly there were credits. I have no problems with the credits. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. Uh, anyway, so most of that stuff kind of fills in the time a little bit, uh, before the saviors were escaping, we come back after the credits and we see a walker caught in one of those wire noise traps Uh, Carol approaches, kills it, and then she instructs Nabila and the kingdom people to go to her cottage where it's safe. Um, Henry, the little boy, is there. He wants to go with Carol, but of course she says no way. But Henry thinks because Morgan taught him the stick and Carol taught him the gun, he'll be fine. But it's it's a nice way to put it, actually. I guess so. But Carol has none of it because, you know, he's a young boy and he's just going to get himself hurt. So somebody, he he knows, now he knows the stick. And he knows the gun. He just needs somebody to teach him poetry because then he could be a true warrior poet. Well, there you go. And maybe he will. He's got hopefully lots of time. Yeah. So I, I have, uh, I have high hopes for him in the future to be a strong, uh, and intelligent member of the community. Very good. Very good. Maybe even a spinoff show, the Henry show. <laughs> well, I wouldn't go that far All right. unless he's solving crimes. Sure. Solving crimes, writing poems. And there you go. We go into the Alexandrian sewer now, and we can hear explosions above them. Uh, Rick is still kind of processing what's going on. Daryl, okay, I can't let this go. You can't. Okay, well, hold on. Daryl Dar- okay. is holding on to Judith. Uh, Rick is struggling to find words, and uh, Carl gives him the letters and says he wanted to make sure he said goodbye. And he says that by bringing Sadiq back, you know, it wasn't the saviors that did it. Carl says it just happened. Right. So, uh, go ahead. Sadiq, good. So the, my problem is with the explosions. Okay. Where, where are the, okay. So my problem is that, uh, okay. So they were launching grenades mm-hmm. and that's why there's explosions. I think so. Yeah. The grenades were being launched over the fence and they were blowing up the houses and stuff and they can hear that from down below. Right. I, I think I, the biggest problem I have is that, you know, unless they have a large stockpile of grenades, uh, the whole point of being in the sewers, I think it was a, a, a choice by the either director or the production company or the writers or what have you. They just, they wanted to, 
uh, have a scene that was indicative of uh, being in a shelter while your city was being bombed, right? Right. So that's that's the style. Yeah. I just I didn't buy it because you know having it just it seemed a little much where they're sitting there and there's all of a sudden bombs and sometimes the the dust comes down. It was just uh, it was just a little much for me. Like they're not being bombed by bombers. They had grenades being thrown, and I don't even think that there were supposed to be a lot of them over a sustained period of time. Well, no, but I mean, the the point was they were hiding down there, right? So they were, and and I think if I was in my basement and someone was throwing grenades in my backyard, I'd hear the explosions. Fair enough, a sewer might be a little bit deeper than that or covered with more dirt, but... I don't think it doesn't, it didn't strike me as outside the realm of possibility that they'd hear the explosions. And I thought it sort of added tension to the scene because you know, something's going on upstairs where all the bad guys are and they are totally helpless down there, hidden away, just hoping that nobody finds them really. For me, it was, uh, it was kind of a, it's a trade-off between a stylistic choice and a logical one. And for me, the stylistic choice was way more important than the logical one. And I didn't buy into the logic as much. So that's why I think it bothered me. And like, I agree with you that yes, technically they're in a shelter. They're, they're sheltering themselves mm-hmm. and there's bombs, yeah. right? They're, they're grenades. They're not, you know, you know, big bombs, they're grenades. And, uh, it's just, it felt like the, the stylistic choice was too important and, uh, didn't, rest heavily enough on the logical one. Couldn't there have been other things exploding up there too? You know, like, like gas lines, if there was any, or propane tanks, things like that. Like other explosions. Well, not there. Not just, well, I know that, but not just the grenades going off, but if they did shoot five or six grenades and then that was it, then houses are on fire. Everything's burning. Other stuff could be exploding too. I, I, and I suppose propane tanks. I don't know about gas lines. Well, I, I'm uh, just saying it's other explody type things. Cars, cars could be exploding if there's, if there's gas. I know that's sort of a TV thing that doesn't really happen as much in real life, but I'm just saying it, it, it didn't bother me. The fact that they okay. were listening to explosions. Um, it, it bugged me a little bit, but I, I can see your point. We cut over to the kingdom and Gavin is there. He's the savior. He tells Ezekiel that Negan's going to kill him. And at first, of course, Ezekiel doesn't really react, but then he says his, he got his people to safety. So what happens to him doesn't matter. And, uh, Gavin says, you know what, man, everything was going so well. I liked you and you understood the arrangement we had. And then Rick showed up and he planted big ideas in your head. And that's when all this went to crap. Uh, but Ezekiel says he made a choice he can live with and he encourages Gavin to do the same thing. He's basically telling him, you know what? You have a choice here. You can, you can, you don't have to take us back to my death or whatever. So yeah. think about that. This, I like this, uh, this whole thing, uh-huh. uh, you know, between, uh, between them, because in the best time to turn somebody like to turn an agent mm-hmm. against, uh, you know, their own country or whatever they're an agent for is when you're in a situation like this under duress, it's mm-hmm. like, you know, look, I realize you've had a hard time in the last little while. You, you don't have to do this. You know, come on over to our side and uh, 
things will be a lot better. We'll get you a house. We'll put you, <laughs> we'll put you up. We'll get you a job. We'll give you some money, some walking around money. We'll get you a car. You know, everything's going to be fantastic. You don't have to shoot me. You just come on over. You know, we'll give you a great big hug and we'll, you know, we'll get you set up. Yeah. And it's perfect. And if there's, if there's one savior that I feel like might be susceptible to that sort of thing, it's Gavin. Cause he feels like the only one of them who we've, uh, who has any kind of a conscience, right? Or who yeah. that or that's been shown to us, anyways, for the most part. Um, the rest of them are just psychos uh, who are totally one hundred percent Negan. Whereas Gavin, you can sort of feel like he doesn't like doing what he's doing, but he's coerced into it. Yeah, he's uh, he's Negan-ish. He's Negan-ish, exactly. He's not quite full Negan, although standing in front of Negan, he can play the part well enough, I guess. Well, he's Negan by necessity, right? Because <laughs> right. he's Negan because he doesn't have any other real choice. <laughs> That's going to be the name of my next album, Negan <laughs> by necessity. <laughs> yeah. So now he's been given a cho- being given a choice and that, uh, you know, it's probably a compelling choice. Yeah. It's weighing on him a little bit. Uh, but nothing happens there yet. We see Morgan arrive back at the kingdom. And as he comes inside the gate, he sees Henry running in the distance. So damn little Henry didn't listen to Carol and he went. Came off on his own there, showed up. How old is Henry, do you think? 12? I'm not even F- sure he's 12. Like, I have 15? an 11-year-old who seems older than Henry. Does she do everything you told her to do? Uh, like, you tell her to do something, she does it, she, no questions asked, she's a good girl, does everything her parents tell her. <laughs> have you met children that are that age? Well, this is my point. <laughs> like, yeah. tell him to do something. You know, he's 12, he's 10, he's not going to do it. He's going to do whatever he damn well feels like until the reins get yanked back. Mm -hmm. Well, he certainly took it upon himself to ignore Carol's instructions and show up at the kingdom. Um, I have an 18 month old. He doesn't do anything he's told. No. Except that if it's perfectly within something that he wants to do, like bring me that toy, I'll play with you. Mm. He brings the toy over, we play. Sure. That's, you know, something that he wants to do. But if you try and get him, it's like, here, I'm going to put your coat on. We're going to go outside. We're running around the house. Well, that becomes a game probably. You know, he'll, he'll get to an age where he'll go through a phase where he'll do everything you tell him and then that'll end and he'll become a normal kid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, so I guess that's my point is that, uh, you know, Telling him to do something and expecting him to do it yeah. are, is an un, un, unrealistic expectation. Teach him the coat flip. He'll want to put on his coat like every second for a long time then once you teach him that. My mom was, uh, my mom. Oh, that's the first time I've done that. I'm not doing that again. Jenny does that. Just trying to teach him the coat flip. Yeah. It's good to get your arms in, then flips it over his body and it's on. It's great. The it's- reason I'm thinking about my mom is I put my phone on silent. She just called me to wish me a happy birthday. So that's why. Oh, yeah, so that's why there's confusion in my mind right now. Jason missed his birthday call from his mom. You'll have to phone her back later. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We're going to do a Skype later. All right. Wonderful. Uh, Morgan, he sees Henry. He, he then loses him because he disappears into the darkness. Carol sneaks up behind him and they talk about whether they should take out the saviors one by one or what they should do. Uh, Morgan mentions Henry. And I think that together they both realize that if he's running around the place, he could really mess this up for them. So they have to, quote, do this now, as they say. Right. And they go off into the darkness. We go to a commercial break and come back. We are back in the sewer. They lie Carl down 
And Sadiq, who's there, offers some medicine for Carl and says it helped his mom and dad. And he reveals that he was a resident before all this happened. So he's got some medical skills, which is good. Hooray, new doctor. Yeah, we got a new doctor. Slash Mason. <laughs> yes, we have a new doctor, but we're going to put him to work as a Mason. <laughs> well, it all depends on, you know, if everybody's happy and healthy and he's got nothing to do, why not build a whatever the hell they were building? Build some sort of retaining wall. You know, yeah, that's why right. not? You're absolutely right. Everyone needs to contribute in all the different ways they can. Uh, but Rick asks Carl if he brought Sadiq back because he was a doctor. And uh, I don't think Carl even knew this. And so he says he, you know, Sadiq wasn't going to make it alone and he needed us. And the way I read this scene, Carl seems to, or I mean, Rick seems to accept that answer. Um, but then a big explosion goes off right above them and dirt starts falling in. So they get distracted by that. Yeah, and then we do the mash cover where he, somebody jumps on top of the uh, the sick person to prevent dust from or you know crap from falling on them. That's a mash thing. Yeah, it's a yeah. There was they always had to do surgery when they were being bombed. And oh, they had right. to, every time there was a bombing, a, a bomb that came close, they had to jump over top of the. You know, obviously their chests were open, so it was a little more important that mm. you don't get a rock in there, right? Oh, like, damn it! Now I got to pick that rock and dust out of his heart, <laughs> and I didn't have to do that ten minutes ago, and now it's a pain in the ass. <laughs> Definitely, he's much closer to dying now. That's he, right. You yeah, or she. So, but uh, a little tropey for me. All right, but that's okay. Not too bad. Michonne stands up and goes to Dwight and orders him to make them stop. Of course, Dwight's down there too. And she's aggressive at first with him, but she kind of ends up begging him to do it because she just wants them to stop. So, you know, they're safer. Uh, Rosita comes over and su suggests they all go to the hilltop. But Dwight says, no, the best plan is to wait until the saviors are gone. Then we can escape. Um, and they all reluctantly agree. But... Dwight then questions whether ever, having everybody at the hilltop is even a good idea. And Daryl says that all of us together will be their worst damn nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> so he's pretty confident as usual. So let me ask you this. Yeah. So uh, from the point of view of Negan, what they're doing is from over from outside the fence, they're lobbing shit into, uh, into town, uh, burning buildings, blowing shit up, killing everybody. Or trying to kill everybody. And then are they going to follow that up? I've said this before. You got to follow it up by an invasion. You can't just, you know, bomb the shit out of something and then expect it to be done. You got to go in and check it out. Yeah, right. I guess so. Um, two, two things, I think. Dwight says that their plan wasn't really to destroy the place, uh, which you wouldn't know it because it looks to me like every building was on fire and there'd be nothing left. Uh, but, uh, but Dwight also says that they think that everyone fled, uh, I think to the West, maybe Tara says that in this scene that everyone fled to the West. So there's nobody left there, which is why the saviors are bombing and then are just going to leave okay. and, and move on. I see. That makes sense. Cause I guess the, the problem is you walk into town and there's no bodies, nobody, nothing. But if they're expecting everybody to be gone, uh, they're just there to what be annoying. We're well, going to burn some buildings down, blow some shit up, and then we're going to go. Yeah, I mean, that's what, that's Negan's MO here. He he sent everyone back to the hilltop to keep producing for them. And they've basically evacuated and destroyed. I mean, they haven't, the Saviors didn't destroy everything at the kingdom, but everyone's gone from there. And they decided to destroy 
Alexandria, even though Dwight says they don't really want to do that. But I think they've decided to destroy Alexandria, not make it a livable place anymore, and try to consolidate anyone who's left into the hilltop where they can force them to keep producing and, I guess, keep better track of them. Right. Um, but uh, so, so, yeah, I mean, I don't think that an invasion would really be necessary for, on behalf of, by the saviors after that. Um, especially too, because they think they've, everyone's just fled away. Right. And I guess on the flip side, uh, if you set a house on fire because you want to burn down the house, just despite the people that have, uh, have left, like they all buggered off. You set, you know, you know, when you set a house on fire and all the people have gone. Right. Uh, right. You don't go into the burning house and check and see if there's anybody in there. No. It's like, okay, I, I assume they're gone. The house is on fire. My job here is done. That's right. That's what I'm I can go to do. home and you know crack open a cold one and then enjoy. Uh, actually, no, I probably bring cold ones and have it. You know, <laughs> sit down and watch the place burn. Because if I'm going to set a house on fire, I'm going to watch it burn. Sure, enjoy the warmth on your face, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. You know, you don't. If you're a, yeah, if you're a pyromaniac, you don't set something on fire and then leave. You watch it, that's, right? Because that's the fun part. Kind of what you're there for. Yeah. Okay. I got it. All right. Uh, we go to a commercial break and when we come back, we've got Morgan and Carol sneaking around the kingdom some more. They find some saviors putting out fires, speaking of fire, and decide they have to kill them because it's the only way past. They do it and then quietly kill a couple more who come out of a building. And Morgan does most of the actual killing. He's With sticking- magic stick. That's right. He's putting his stick through their necks and heads and chests and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gavin and Ezekiel real quick, uh, Ezekiel again says, says that the way things go right now is entirely up to Gavin. So kind of just giving him the, the option to opt out again. It's a perfect way to turn somebody, give them power. You know, the choice is yours, Mm -hmm. you know, instead of being railroaded into this situation that your life has become, you have the power to choose to make your life better. That's. It's so good. It's such a good way to turn somebody. I'm I'm very happy they went down this road. And I think it's starting to work a little bit too, uh, at least for now with Gavin. Yeah. We go back to the sewer though. Carl and Michonne are talking about her leaving uh, when she was supposed to be resting. And Carl says, you know, things can be better. The rest of the group down there hear the saviors leaving and they decide to go take a look. So uh, Daryl hands Judith back to Rick. He's been holding her this whole time. Um, back over to Carol and Morgan. They quietly enter a building. Morgan hears some saviors talking. Uh, Carol wants him to leave it, but he goes to kill them. And then she has to kind of save him by shooting one last savior before he gets a shot at Morgan. So close call for Mr. Morgan here. Well, I think that that was part of the plan. Like he's in there doing it quietly and she's, uh, she's running overwatch. That's the whole reason that she was there. I don't think it was, she had to save him. I think that, uh, this was a good team effort. I don't know, man. The way I read this is she goes through the door into the building, but Morgan goes by the door because he hears them. And you hear Carol say, leave it, leave it a few times to just go into the building. Morgan ignores her and then gets into trouble. So I read it differently. I read it like she's like, no, we don't need to, we can go around these guys. We don't have to go through them like we did the last group. So leave them alone. But then when he refuses because he's killing, killing McKillerton Morgan again, uh, she had to save him at that last moment. Yeah. That's because she knows he's crazy. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, she knows that she has to watch over him. So that's what she was doing. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, I'm glad she did that, but I just well, don't yeah. think it was her her uh, choice of plan going into that situation. Well, no, you, there's discussion and then, uh, you, you know, you, you work out a plan, you, uh, you discuss the options, you come up with a good plan and then do whatever the crazy guy wants because the crazy guy is going to do what crazy guy wants. I guess so. <laughs> right. So <laughs> ignore yeah. the plan. It's crazy man time. That's right. Uh, Gavin, he instructs his men to take Ezekiel, uh, to make Ezekiel comfortable in the back of the truck. So you see, he's coming around a little bit he's like, uh, let's give this guy a pillow. It's going to be his last truck ride or last ride in the back of a pickup truck. Anyways, pillows are very important in this episode. Yes, very much. Uh, Gavin laments at this point that things always get dark and inhuman. So again, I think he's starting to, uh, come around and Ezekiel just once again gives him that it's not too late to change his mind idea. Uh, Gavin goes to get on the walkie, but nobody responds. So, uh-oh, they're all dead because of Morgan and Carol. And he starts to realize that something is wrong, and then they hear gunfire nearby. So they run inside instead of uh, leaving in the truck. And as they get inside the building, Morgan and Carol show up outside the building. Yeah. After a commercial break, we are back with Rick's red eye close up again one more time. We flash forward and we have a new scene in the soft focus uh, future fantasy, which I'm going to call it. Rick and long haired girl approach Eugene this time. Eugene, Jason. Yes, Eugene. He's there and he's making what he calls a cooker for baked apples. And he gives an apple to the girl. Um, and they have a short conversation. So Eugene doesn't seem to be so Negan anymore. He's back with them. I was so disappointed when I first saw this. Okay. I'm not so disappointed now, but when I first saw this, I'm like, come on, don't make him a good guy. I wanted him to stay bad guy. Yeah. Well, it feels like he's a good guy again here. Uh, but, uh, we cut from that scene to Rick and Michonne shoveling dirt into something again. So back to the shoveling. Yeah. Well, they're, it looks like they're filling in a hole this time. So they didn't find their treasure Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, they're responsible hole diggers and they fill in their hole when they don't find what they want. That's right. You can't just leave a hole open. Someone's going to fall into it and hurt themselves. Yeah. That's right. So we go back to the sewer and... Michonne says they can get Carl to the hilltop, but Rick says, no, he can't leave here and he has to stay with him. Uh, she says they'll both stay, but Rick asks her to take Judith. But of course, then Daryl steps up and offers to take her. And uh, so Daryl's going to leave with everybody, including Judith. Carl wants to say goodbye. So he tells Judith to be good for Michonne and dad to honor him or honor them and do what they say. But not always, because sometimes kids have to show their parents the way. That's right. Which is what he's doing this whole, or trying to do this whole episode. Um, he Then he gives her the sheriff's hat and says that just having it always made Carl feel as strong as his dad. And uh, so now Judith gets the hat. Which is the cursed hat? That's qu- right. Quite a thing, <laughs> the cursed sheriff's hat. Well, it's got to be cursed, right? Because when Rick was wearing it, his uh, best friend slept with his wife, and then uh, turned into a zombie, almost killing his son. Uh, and then Carl had it and lost an eye, and eventually got uh, bitten by a zombie. So uh, it's a cursed hat, as far as I'm concerned. Jeez, that's not good. Well, 
now Judith has it, so I hope nothing bad happens to her. Yeah, so do I. I was a little worried about that. Um, I was actually worried about that within the confines of this episode, to be honest with you. I thought, I thought something really, really bad might happen to her, but. It's like an, uh, an anti-Frosty the Snowman, because, you know, he had a magic hat that gave him consciousness and sentience, right? <laughs> right. So this is, uh, you know, maybe it's the opposite to uh, Frosty the Snowman. They've got the opposite Frosty the Snowman thing going on here. That's right. That's right. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, Lucille is Frosty the Snowman as uh, as far as the magic bat goes. Uh, but this hat, I think, is the anti-Frosty hat. The anti. All right. That's good. We'll, we'll have to start calling it that. Okay. <laughs> uh, Carl says that before mom died, she said, I'd beat this world and I didn't, but you will. Talking to Judith. Judith starts crying at this point. So Daryl takes her again and says to Carl, these people, you saved them all. That's all you, man. That's his way of saying goodbye. And then he walks away with Judith. You know uh, what? what? Nobody beats this world. No, it doesn't You can't seem... win. You're not going to win. It I can tell you that right now. It doesn't matter who you are, what you do, what you accomplish. You can't win. It sure doesn't seem like it. You can't win. You're always fighting a losing battle. Um, he walks away. Uh... I don't want to ruin the moment here or anything, but I thought the crying sound effect they used was all wrong in this scene. It sounded like a real baby, young baby cry, whereas Judith is like three years old or two or at least in this scene. Her crying would have sounded different. I just, maybe that's just me. Well, it is you. Uh, and I agree with you, but I, uh, what I'm saying, what I'm trying to say in eloquently is that if anybody knows what a two-year-old or three-year-old girl would sound like when they're sad, you would know. <laughs> that doesn't sound right. But, but that's because you're a father of two girls. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying you caused any of the sadness. I'm saying sure. that no matter what you do in your life, your kids are going to be sad. Sure. You have two girls. You would know what that would sound like. Sure. And I just think this crying sounded like it was coming out of like a like a three, four, six-month-old baby, not a two-year-old. Right. Here, you know, the baby's hungry. Give it a bottle for a little while, then take it away, and let's record it. <laughs> It's just mean. <laughs> it's just mean. Yeah. My, uh, my wife really hates, uh, crying babies in, uh, any kind of television or movies because the only way to, they really make sure that they cry on cue is to be mean to those babies. Oh. And she doesn't like that. No, I don't like that either. But they didn't show Judith crying. So they put the sound effect in. She was back to the camera. So they still got it. They still got that sound effect somehow. And probably by being mean to a baby. All right. Well, I'm not going to not think about that for now. Uh, before the end of the scene, though, uh, Sadiq now kneels in front of Carl and tells him that he can't repay him for helping him. There's no way to pay him back for that. But what he will do is honor him and prove to everybody that what Carl did meant something by bringing him back here. They shake hands. Sadiq leaves. And now only Michonne, Rick, and Carl are left in the sewer. We go to a commercial break and come back. The saviors are dragging Ezekiel into his theater. They spread out through the room to keep an eye on all the entrances. And Ezekiel starts to talk to Gavin again. And uh, Gavin hits him. <laughs> Just right. hauls off and punches him and tells him to shut up about changing his ways. Uh, so to me, again, that means he's he was actually thinking about this, but he, he doesn't want to do it or he on the surface doesn't want to do it. So he's telling Ezekiel to shut up. Um, but before he can really get much out, the door explodes and everybody opens fire on the door. 
that exploded, even though there doesn't appear to be anybody there. So is a remote explosion triggered somehow? I'm not sure. I must admit, I'm not sure how they did that because, you know, nobody's there. Gavin um, tells everyone to stop firing. And then as they're looking around, well, Gavin puts a gun to Ezekiel's head. But as they're looking around, Morgan and Carol bust in from the other side of the building on the stage. And they start open. They open fire. Everybody takes cover. Um, but uh, a more a savior eventually gets on top of Morgan. And Morgan's taken a pretty good beating at this point. Now, this guy, this savior, has taken a, sh a gunshot to the sort of stomach area, though he's still able to get on top of Morgan and beat the crap out of him. But what Morgan does is reaches into the guy's open abdominal wound and pulls out his intestines with his bare hand, which is more than this dude can handle, of course. And uh, Morgan's able to push him off, which uh, is pretty nuts. It's pretty gross. It's pretty, uh, it was pretty interesting and pretty gross. And, uh, I, I'm not, I've, you know, I've never tried to get, grab a hold of somebody's intestine and pull it out through their abdomen, abdominal wall, mm -hmm. but, uh, it's gotta be pretty slippery and difficult to do. So Morgan, Morgan's a real hero for doing that. Well, it is. I mean, I can get past the fact that I don't think this guy would be able to get up and move, let alone get on top of a guy and beat the crap out of him with that. Oh, that part I believe entirely. Like. Uh, you'd be surprised at what people can do uh, with existing injuries and adrenaline going through their uh, through their body. It is a fantastic uh, uh, painkiller, and uh, you can ignore almost anything unless you're physically unable to move. Which you know, a little hole in your stomach uh, in the abdominal muscular 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 wall is probably a problem. But he still had four functioning limbs, so he's fine. But the pain- That part I completely believe. Really? The pain wouldn't keep you on the ground and be like, I'm never moving again? Not in the moment. Huh. You know, 10 minutes later, he'd go into shock and be like, I'm never moving again. Right. And that would be, uh, that would be an issue. But when that adrenaline is pumping, uh, people can do amazing things with uh, horrific injuries. Okay. Well, fair enough. And not even know that they're injured. Well- I mean, I have that problem at the best of times. <laughs> yes, I know. I've heard. You get cuts and but, don't even know it. Yeah. But, I, you know- Getting shot. I've never been shot. Never want to be shot. I never want to be pistol whipped. That's for sure. I'd rather be shot than pistol whipped personally. Just the thought of it. Anyway, uh, people can do amazing things with, uh, with injuries. You know, when Morgan reached into his stomach and grabbed a hold of his intestines, he paused. Like that's going to make you pause, right? Just going to be like, whoa, I didn't know that that hurt. What? That hurt that much. Well, that hurts even more now. And then you mm -hmm. rip out the intestines and he's like, okay, I'm going to lie down and think about this. Right. And probably die very quickly. Uh, maybe a little bit later. Like he wouldn't die instantly. It's not an insta-kill kind of thing. Like if you touch somebody with a stick, it's, uh, <laughs> you know, it's going to take some time. A, a, the stomach injury takes a while to bleed out. Like even with your intestines are like flopping on the floor, you know, it's not, you're not going to die instantly. Gross. Pretty fast it, though. It, well, you're going to bleed out, right? Yes. So, and that takes some time from a stomach injury. All right. Well, fair enough. If, so if all this is, is good, um, my first thought after watching it was like, huh, that I ha I don't know if I've seen that before and good on the show for showing me something, uh, something new and intriguing. For, I've read about that kind of thing in books, but I've never seen it on TV before. Well, there you go. So yeah, TV. I just assumed the guy after that 
Uh, he didn't die. He was just lying there thinking about what just happened because that's going to be like, that's going to give you something to think about. Oh, for a definitely. While. Definitely yeah. will. So he's just lying there thinking afterwards. Yes. Well, fine. For, for a while. Uh, Gavin gets up uh, at this point and starts to run away, but Morgan shoots him in the leg. And Ezekiel says, you know, they should just leave. Morgan says they don't need to leave because they're all dead. Yeah. And then I guess goes after Gavin. Uh, back in the sewer, we are there with the three of them. They're giving Carl some water. He's getting worse. Carl tells Michonne to be strong after he's gone, be strong for my dad. And he calls Michonne his best friend. And she says, you're my best friend too. And then a candle blows out all of a sudden. And Rick asks Michonne to help him get Carl out of there. So now Rick is saying, we got to go. We're going to get Carl out of here and we go to a commercial break. I don't want my son to die in a sewer. No, no. Basically what's happening, I think. Don't want him to die in a sewer. And you know, Jason, clearly they need to get Carl out of there because he wasn't comfortable on that cot he was on, right? Yeah. So walk him around a bit. Walk him around a bit. But to truly make him comfortable, what he would need is a better mattress. And that is where Casper comes in. Casper is a sleep brand that makes expertly designed products to help you get your best rest one night at a time, certainly better than a cot in a sewer somewhere. And, you know, you spend one third of your life sleeping, so you should be comfortable. And Casper products are cleverly designed to mimic human curves, providing supportive comfort for all kinds of bodies, which is really important. Now, the original Casper mattress combines multiple supportive memory foams for a quality sleep surface with the right amount of both sink and bounce. And something that's really important to me is that it's a breathable design that lets you help that helps you sleep cool and regulates your body temperature throughout the night. I don't know about you, but I know I have overheating problems sometimes at night, sometimes because it's the summer and it's a million degrees, sometimes because it's the winter and it's a million degrees below zero where we live. And I'm constantly waking up, like putting on socks, taking off socks, putting on a shirt, taking off a shirt, getting more blankets, getting less blankets. And I just think with a mattress that, that, you know, can, can keep the, keep the temperature right. It would help me such a great deal. That sounds really good. That would be really annoying. I would, uh, I don't tend to get up and put on socks or take off socks because I don't wear socks when I'm sleeping, but uh, I do overheat and yeah. uh, I think I just live with it. I just like, ah, well, too hot. Now I'll go back to sleep. Uh, there is, there is a better way, my friend, this, you know, the Casper mattress, it'll help keep you cool or just keep you at the right temperature to regulate your temperature throughout the night. Um, and not only that, Casper offers two other mattresses known as the Wave and the Essential. And these are ones you might not have heard of or been aware of. The Wave features a patent pending premium support system to mirror the natural shape of your body, which is important to everyone because everyone is different. All our bodies are shaped differently. Hey, my body's different than it was like a year ago. Right. Well, this is going to be perfect for you. The Essential has a streamlined design at a price that won't keep you up at night. So that's that's great too. Um, affordable prices with Casper because they cut out the middleman and they sell directly to you. And a big thing, a big important thing too, is that there's free shipping and returns in the US and Canada. Um, we're Canadian based, a lot of Canadian listeners, so don't feel left out free shipping and returns in the U S and Canada. You can be sure of your purchase with Casper's 100 night risk-free sleep on it trial. 
Get $50 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash talking dead and using promo code talking dead at checkout. Once again, that's casper.com slash talking dead and using promo code talking dead at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. All right. We will continue our recap of season eight, episode nine, when we return after this really quick break. telephone get eaten off the web must rip out all the epilogues from the books that we have read into the face of every criminal strapped firmly to a chair we must stare we must stare we must stare we must take all of the medicines too expensive now to sell set fire to the preacher who is promising us hell into the ear of every anarchist that sleeps but doesn't dream we must sing we must sing we must sing it'll go like this all right while my mother waters plants my father loads his gun he says death will give us back to god just like the setting sun is returned to the lonesome ocean. Jason, we're back. We're going to continue recapping season eight, episode nine of The Walking Dead called Honor, right? That's right. <laughs> Good. Um, now from here, uh, for a little while in the episode, we have two main scenes that are going on. We've got the guys at the kingdom and we've got Rick, Carl and Michonne. And watching it, they cut back and forth pretty frequently between the two. So I'm going to mix things up a bit here and I'm going to do this slightly differently. And I'm going to stick with one each storyline uh, instead of jumping back and forth. Oh, how to drive me crazy in one easy step. <laughs> well, you know, I follow along, right? I do. I do know you follow along. So now along. I got to jump around. Well, that's okay. Or you're going to have to like let it run and then re rewind and let it run again. I don't know. Uh, sorry about that. But I, I think personally that the episode would have played a little bit better this way to be honest i didn't really like the jumping back and forth well no i mean it's a, it's an editing style you know if you if you need your edits to be uh, to have no shot that's that's longer than a second and a half you can jump around uh and then there's you know an editing style where you just let things go a long long run long scenes what have you yeah but this is kind of uh it, yeah it's a style you know, it's, it's a choice. It is for sure. I think their goal here though, was because, you know, what's going on in these two scenes are thematically a little bit similar. Not really. I mean, in one case it's, it's a, a father and son or parent parental units, you know, with their, with their dying child. And the other one is, is Morgan basically trying to decide whether he's going to kill Gavin. But, um, I, I just felt like I would have liked to have seen one and then the other, and I'm not so sure cutting back and forth added to either of these scenes, and it may have taken away from them a little bit, but let's- Well, let me ask you this then. Sure. All right. Your your kids, are they able to take in uh, a lot of information in a very short period of time, more so than you? My kids? Yes. Yeah. They are. <laughs> Absolutely. So this, I think- maybe is the point is that uh, maybe the editing of this particular episode uh, and shows in general are more aimed at people that are uh, 
not I wouldn't want to say necessarily say younger, but they are younger, but they've grown up with uh, more information readily available in a high speed format than uh, than we are. So that they're capable of, uh, you know, interspersing these two storylines without even thinking about it. It's just there in front of them and it's something that they would find perfectly normal whereas we go well maybe that would have been better if we just stuck with one story at a time well yeah i mean you're you're saying that it's like kids these days can like sit in a in a donut shop with their friends but also be having a text conversation with someone who's not there and be fully engaged in both conversations right and play a video game at the same time and be able to be perfectly fine, uh, you know, in taking all of that information while watching a television show. Right. So, so the kids these days aren't, aren't offended by this kind of thing. Whereas old guys like you and me aren't as, aren't quite as equipped to, to manage it. You may be onto something there, but I still think that cutting back and forth like this was the, the, the director's, I think his idea was like, I think we can enhance both of these scenes by intercutting them whereas to me it felt like it took away a little bit i'm like i'm right. okay i'm i'm emotional about carl suffering and dying and talking to his father but then we have to cut over to this for a while and i'm and and i just want to stay with the other things so i mean maybe it's a personal choice too well it is a personal choice but i, I like the idea that you say that you know thematically they were very parallel and so you could tell the stories in parallel mm-hmm Whereas normally when you have a story intermittent or intermixing storylines, what you do is you, uh, you tend to, I find that, that people tend to uh, follow a storyline until it reaches a crescendo mm-hmm. and then jump over to the next one until it reaches a crescendo and then jump back to the other one where it's calmed down a little bit until it reaches a crescendo. So you always have that amp up uh, uh, feeling in the entire thing. I didn't feel the crescendos in either of these storylines though, before right. we jumped back and forth. So that's why I think that it's important that you say that the storylines were parallel and therefore they, they could tell the story in parallel. Mm. Well, so maybe, maybe there's a thing there. Maybe. Well, let's get into them. We're going to do the, uh, the kingdom first. We've got Gavin. He's running away in the theater and we see <laughs> Morgan, the Terminator coming after him. It reminded me of people running away from the Terminator when the Terminator is just walking slowly after them. Right. <laughs> he does not stop. He does not rest. He doesn't have remorse. Nope. That's Morgan right now. Much like the the Walking Dead and Morgan. Yeah, see? Uh, Gavin gets outside and he's hiding in a, a shed or something like that, but Morgan finds him and pulls him out. Uh, Gavin tries to appeal to Morgan and is saying, you know, getting is asking him to spare him, basically. He mentions that they can go back to the hilltop, but he also says they can't beat Negan and killing me won't make any of this go away. So you don't need to kill me because you're just going to have the same old problems. Ain't going to hurt though. Well, that's what Morgan thinks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Ezekiel, you're going to have to give me not only that, but a reason that I shouldn't kill you because that's just telling me that, that you know, killing you or not, it's not going to make a difference. That's not, that's not a good argument, buddy. No, not really. But I figure he's thinking you can just let me go and I'll walk away and you'll never see me again. But yeah. have you met Morgan? I guess not. No, I guess not. Uh, so Ezekiel and Carol show up and Ezekiel appeals to Morgan to stop as well. He says, we won. We don't have to kill him. Carol basically agrees with this. And, uh, but Morgan says, no, he has to do it. He raises his stick, but before he can put the stick through the front side, 
of Gavin. Another stick comes through Gavin's neck from the back and sticks out the front of his neck. Gavin falls to the ground dead and dun 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 who is it? It's little Henry. Oh, uh, Henry. So little Henry really learned the stick and he snuck up behind him and put that stick right through Gavin's neck. So poor Gavin, he's dead and uh, Morgan didn't have to do it. And now he has to re- live with the fact that little Henry did it. Yeah. Does that mean Carol's going to kill him? I don't know. She <laughs> later on didn't seem too happy with Henry in that bit, in that scene, yeah. but, uh, you killed a living person. Now I have to murder you and yeah. you're a child. That's a, like a double whammy for Carol. I mean, Carol was probably thinking about killing him anyways, but now he, now he <laughs> murdered someone. So that's right. <laughs> Uh, you you may be right. I don't know. We'll get back to that in a bit. Let's go back over to the other storyline now with Michonne, Rick, and Carl. They have gotten out of the sewer and they're coming through Alexandria, which is on fire. This is how we knew when I said earlier that it looks like all the buildings are on fire because there's fire everywhere. They can't make it to a house because Carl is unable to walk on his own. So they get him into the mostly destroyed church, which is there. They kind of lie him down and Carl thanks his dad for getting him here and making him into the man he became. Very, very uh, touching. Uh, He tells Rick about the, so he goes way back in time now and he tells Rick about that kid from Woodbury that he killed back at the prison when he found him in the forest and the kid was surrendering his gun, but Carl shot him anyways. I went back and watched that scene and um, I forgot that um, uh, Herschel was there too. Right. Her- Herschel witnesses Carl do that. Uh, but he says, you know, I shot him even when the kid was starting to surrender. And, he, you know, he thinks about all the time how easy it was to kill that kid. I think about that fondly. You think about way back at the prison fondly? <laughs> no, I just was Carl. He's saying, oh. <laughs> I think about that kid and man, that was easy to just shoot that little bastard. That sure was easy, but uh, you know, that's what he's saying is I, I think about how easy that was and, and, and that upsets me. That disturbs me a little bit. Right. Well, uh, it wasn't that easy then, I guess. No. You can't win this argument. No, I guess not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Rick tells Carl that he, he had to do all those things and he was just a boy, you know, and he was just trying to survive. Um, but Carl goes on to tell Rick that he, he saw him bring all those survivors from Woodbury to the prison and help them and put away his gun. And he says, that was the right thing to do. And it showed me how people should be. And so Carl is essentially telling Rick that things can be that way again and that you should stop fighting. And he says that he can't be, uh, Rick says that he can't be the man he used to be because things are different now. But uh, Carl claims that he's seen the future for them and it's good and peaceful. And we basically find out now that all the soft focus future stuff that we have seen since the beginning of this uh, season has basically been Carl's kind of vision for the future. Yeah. So dead guy fantasy. We saw this with, uh, with Glenn before, right? That's right. It's a dead guy fantasy. Exactly. Glenn sitting around a table with everybody enjoying a meal and, and happy, peaceful times. And this is so- Carl's future where it's similar, just expanded a little bit. Right. So Eugene's not a good guy after all. So this, you know, redeemed the show a little bit for me. It's like, okay, they're not going to bring Eugene back into the fold. This is just a dead guy fantasy, which is fine. Exactly. Exactly. So 
Eugene can be there in the fantasy because he was part of their group and of friends for a while. He may be evil now, but in the fantasy, anything is possible. So he can be there making baked apples and being friendly to everyone. So Eugene's still evil. I think you can feel good about that. I do feel good about that. Good. <laughs> what I don't feel good about is the fact that if this is dead guy fantasy, uh, where's Carl? Like at least Glenn was in his own dead guy fantasy. Carl's not there. No, he's not in his own fantasy, but he's, well, I think he's dead it in this. It makes sad. It's a little bit sad. He's telling his dad, though, this is what you have to make of this world after I'm gone, right? This is how right. it can be, so don't screw this up. Forgive uh, and move on. Yeah. So we actually flash forward into this or flash into the fantasy. It's not really a forward anymore, I don't think. And we see the same scenes we saw at the beginning of the season, Rick in his bed, in the house with all of them. And Carl's doing a voiceover for it now. And he's saying everybody is happy. He refers to the girl as Judith. So we can put that to bed now that that girl with the straight hair is older Judith, um, not uh, baby Gracie that <laughs> that Rick uh, rescued. Remember, there was some there was some thoughts that that might be her. Um but that's her. Uh, he says Alexandria is bigger. There are new houses. They're growing crops, etc. And if Rick can be who he was, more peaceful Rick, then that's how their life can be. Uh, but Rick, we go back to the church and Rick says everything he's done was for Carl. And then for Carl and Judith when she came along and nothing is going to change that. And he promises, Rick promises to Carl that he's going to make this fantasy real. That's nice. It is. It is. We go to a commercial break and come back. We have Ezekiel telling Henry it's okay. So they're still standing or standing over uh, Gavin's dead body. He tells Henry not to look at the body, but Carol, she jumps up and scolds him for, for not staying in the cottage. Uh, she's being kind of, you know, harsh in the situation. And Ezekiel stops that for the time being. Yeah. So you're right. I mean, don't don't kill him yet. Wait, wait a little while. Give you know, revenge is a dish best served cold. Give him some time. He just put a stick through this guy's neck. You know, he needs a minute. Yeah. Uh, back in the church, though, Rick apologizes to Carl for not being able to protect his son, and Carl reaches down for his gun, which is on his hip. Uh, obviously implying that something is going to have to be done here. Michonne and Rick just can't handle it. You know, they both start to break down and uh, Carl says, you know what? It's okay. I can still do it myself. It should be someone you love, but I can still do this myself. Um, says he grew up and, you know, he has to do it. And Carl tells both Rick and Michonne that he loves them. So then we cut outside the church. Rick and uh, Michonne are there. She's standing. Rick is sitting. They're not really looking at each other. Um, shot lingers for a second and then we hear a silenced gunshot from inside and they both react. I thought their reactions were both really good. They were, they were very good. Especially Michonne who was standing there and you just see her whole body tense up. Yeah. So that was pretty good. And then we cut to, we see them uh, digging that grave, which they've been digging all episode and Carl's body is in a sheet nearby. I think this is the first time Andrew Lincoln has ever dug a hole in his life. He's not doing it right. <laughs> well, I don't know if that's what you should focus on here, but maybe he's not doing it right. But good thing he's got Michonne there to uh, help him dig that hole. He's going to break that shovel. Like he's, he's 
pushing down and then he's using the uh, the side of the hole as leverage to to move some dirt. He's going to shatter that friggin' uh, that stick. Well, and you know what happens to shattered sharp sticks? They go through somebody's neck. They go through somebody's neck. Yeah. Well, you know what? He um he's going to start have to dig with his hands if he breaks his shovel cuz he needs to yeah. finish digging. So, Carl's dead. Carl is dead. Carl's actually dead. They did not save him. Nope. I don't have to rage quit the show. He's not immune. He's, he actually, everything about Carl's final episode was between him and his father, mostly, and, and Michonne, and, and to a lesser degree, the other characters, had nothing to do with some sort of plan to trick Negan or put him out there or get him close to somebody so that when he turns to a zombie, he can bite them. It was all... Pretty respectful and emotional and all about a father losing his son. Yeah. And the decisions that his father is going to make based on that. Right. And, and even the, the decisions his father made leading up to it and how they influenced Carl as a human being too. Yeah. So they really made it about that relationship and, and you're right. Carl's dead. As far as we can tell, <laughs> he is done and off the show. Yep. We're not quite done yet, though. Uh, we we go into the fantasy again, and we have Judith now on her own, walking into the garden with all the crops in Alexandria. She says good morning to a man who's working. He turns around, and it's Negan. So yep. now we really know this is just a fantasy. <laughs> so let me ask you a question, though. Sure. Whose fantasy is that? Because Carl's dead at this point. Well, this is all still part of the Carl fantasy. He's saying- Are you sure that that fantasy has now not been transferred to Rick? And Rick is now having a fantasy that includes Negan, whereas Carl's wasn't? It doesn't matter to me. It, both of them, whoever's fantasy this is, it is it is what they see as the future. And they are thinking that there is some way for everyone to live in peace and harmony. And that includes Negan, as you yeah. can tell. So- whether it's Carl or whether it's Rick, I don't know. Carl started it. Rick has taken it on and he promised to his son that he would make that happen. And now that means that Negan is part of this, part of this fantasy, part of this community and no longer their enemy. All right. That's a good point. Um, but yeah. All right. We, well, I'll, I'll reserve my butt for uh, another 10 seconds. Please reserve your butt. Uh, we go to Rick sitting under that stained glass uh, stuff hanging from the tree with the red eyes, uh, which we finally get more information about this scene. I think we probably all sort of thought this was Rick, you know, at the moment of Carl's death, being sad and asking himself for his mercy to prevail over his wrath for it. But turns out he's somewhere else because we get a wide shot. He's leaning against this tree with the stuff hanging from it. And he appears to be pretty badly wounded. Gut shot. It looks like it. Cut to black. Episode's over. So that just raises a whole bunch more questions of where is he? What is he doing? Is that Rick dying? Is, is Rick going to die at some point in the future? And that's the scene. We've just seen it. Yep. Is he bitten? Is he, is he not just shot? Is he actually bitten and no one's around to help him? We don't know. But I think it's an intriguing question. It is. I think he's gut shot. And I think that the portion of the fantasy where Judith walks up to Negan, who's helping out, is Rick's dead guy fantasy. 
Because if it's a dead guy fantasy, it's got to be passed on and therefore is part of Rick's dead guy fantasy. So Rick is dying in that scene and he's he's adopted the fantasy that Carl started, included Negan in it. And yep. but but he's not living to see it come to fruition because he doesn't have the old beard like that's that's current time Rick. Right. Or very yeah. near future. Rick beards the same doesn't have the white hair. He's not old man Rick. Uh, so this is Rick's this is Rick's death moment that we've just been shown here. Maybe. But like I said, uh, you know, being gut shot is not necessarily a death sentence. It, it, it takes a long time to bleed out. Uh-huh. When I say long time, I mean like 20 minutes, half an hour. Right. Like it's not like uh, a week and a half, but you can survive being gut shot as long as you don't get sepsis. Like if you nick the bowels and the bowels start uh, releasing poop into your Thank you. Yep. cavity, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, that really is gross and it really can mess things up and you can get really sick and die. Mm-hmm. But as long as there's a doctor on hand or a resident of some kind, uh, then uh, maybe, uh, you know, take out a couple of feet of bowel. You'd probably live okay. Sure. And, uh, you know, do some mopping up and get rid of the, uh, the all the poop that's in there. And uh, he should be good to go. I think it's a survivable wound. Well, I think so. And, and we... <laughs> It's hard to say exactly what the wound is, too, because it does look like a gut shot, but it could be a lot of things, really. He's, he could have been poked with a stick. He's covered in blood. Uh, he doesn't look like he's in good shape. To me, it looks like he's alone. But again, we don't really see too much around him. Um, but I have a feeling that this might be the beginning of the end for Rick Grimes for some reason. You know, his son is now killed or sorry, his son is dead. They have this. Carl gave Rick something to work towards. He's like, work towards this peaceful world. You can have this. You just have to want it bad enough. And Rick promises to do that. And and I just feel like they're showing us that Rick is going to try to do that and then fail miserably. <laughs> or, <laughs> or, I mean, this is The Walking Dead after all. Nothing good, nothing happy can happen, right? But what I mean is he's not going to, maybe not going to fail, but he's not going to live to see it come to into existence even if it does someday rick isn't going to be there and and i think if you know in the scene where we see negan in the fantasy land what we see is rick walking with judith and then he kind of pats her on the head or or the shoulder and then he walks away and she approaches negan by himself and that's where rick walking away into the afterlife right that's like i had there's no part of me that thinks that uh rick is going to die in this show until the final episode. I'm, I, I think Rick is going to die in season nine. And I think this scene is it. I think there's just too much. I know they can change anything. They can do whatever they want, but I think that's what they're telling us. They're leading towards here. The Grimes family, other than Judith is not going to be a part of this show long-term. And maybe the show only has a couple more seasons left. I do think the best thing they could do right now would be to set an endpoint. But maybe this is their way of doing that. I think this might be what they're going. They're not actually saying we're doing two more seasons and then it's done. What they're telling us is Carl's dead. Rick's time is is limited. And Judith is going to be the last grime standing. And we're going to end the show with her starting this new world. Yeah, but that I think the, the, the important thing there is the show ending. I can't think, can you think of another show that has successfully removed the main character and it, and has gone on to be 
continuously successful. Well, I'm sure there are examples out there, but no, it's, it's pretty rare. And, and, and I don't know, I think, I think they're trying, I think they're going, they're swinging for the fences here. They're going for something big and they're kind of not hiding it from us anymore. I don't think the AMC wants to say we're going to end it in two years. They just, for some reason, they don't want to do that. Like, like Lost did and like Breaking Bad did. I don't know why they don't want to do that. I mean, The Walking Dead is a license to print money for them, so I can see them wanting to keep oh, but it going. They've already got successful spinoffs, right? Like they can True. they can end this show and things can still go on to do great things. Uh, I don't think that they can successfully remove the main character, a main character, and have it continue on. I don't think there's any reason for them to do that because they could end the show and still have still have successful spinoffs. Mm-hmm. And trying to do that is just going to completely fuck the show up not the mince words sure it's it's going to be a mess yeah totally it's not going to survive but maybe rick against that tree is the final episode of the show maybe or or maybe it's fine maybe it's i support that a few a few before you know i it it could be that he's you know that 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 is the end essentially they've shown us the end i don't know if i totally believe that now that it's coming out of my mouth to be honest with you but Part of me thinks that this is AMC's way of saying, look, we know this needs to have an ending and this is the first step in winding it down. And uh, we're going to get there eventually, but maybe they don't even know quite when yet. I don't. Okay. So there's three things going on here. (laughs) One is, uh, okay. So Rick is definitely wounded in that shot. What that means is there's three possibilities. Uh, one, he's going to survive. Show's going to go on. Uh, it's going to be dramatic. It's going to be annoying, but, uh, well, not annoying, but it's going to be annoying for him because obviously he's gut shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he survives, they move on. Two, he dies, show ends, which, you know, sadly I'm okay with. Like if, if he dies and the show ends, we'll have other, sh- there's other shows. There's other Walking Dead shows that will continue on this franchise is not going to die with this show. Oh God, no. Okay. Three, he dies and the show goes on. This is the worst of all worlds. This is the worst thing that they could possibly do. The track record of this being a successful move is zero. <laughs> like I can't think of another show. Uh, I'm sure there are examples. Law and Order, for example, has switched main cast, but the point of Law and Order was to uh, have the stories. Anyway, they did it successfully because they... Uh, the show was built in such a way that the characters were secondary to the story. Right. You barely knew about the characters themselves. Right. You did learn over the, over the course of many seasons about the characters, but they weren't a main part of the story. Rick is a, Rick's character is a main part of the story. I don't think, if they're thinking of doing that, they should rethink what they're doing because that is a mistake. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I would tend to agree with you, but don't you also think that, you know, we've always wanted them to, to be bold and try exciting things. Let's say Rick dies at the end of season eight. We know season nine is coming along. Angela Kang is taking over. Don't you think that would be a massive chance to take? Yes. But if they pulled it off successfully and the show was still incredible or the show became incredible again in season nine, that it would be worth it. You just don't think there's Uh, any possibility that it could, they could do it right. I, okay. 
So I agree with you that that would be bold and awesome uh, if they could pull it off, but there's no way they can. There's no way. Okay. Well, if he dies and they jump 10 years into the future, maybe. (laughs) Yeah. Um, we do get that world or like even in the future where, uh, you know, Judith is 16, mm-hmm. right. And in this way different community, uh, where she has to, I, I don't even know what the, the story would be about then. It would be a larger world. The zombies would be mostly gone because, uh, you know, they're all rotted. The ones that they didn't kill individually have all rotted and don't move anymore. And you just you stay on the roads. You're probably okay. Mm-hmm. Right. So the world is becoming uh, alive again. Communities are getting larger. There's bigger cities. There's, you know, the, the death ritual, uh, instead of just burying somebody, you have a, you know, have a loved one, shoot them in the head and then they bury them. Right. right? It all becomes part of the funeral. Right. Yep. Uh, instead of last rites, you have last gunshot sure. kind of thing or both. I don't know, whatever. Uh, anyway, if they, if Rick dies and they jump into the future, change the whole cast. They could. No, everybody. Maybe they could. I mean, and it's almost like a show reboot. And we're, we're getting a little bit nuts here, I think, with with this. But it's yeah. if if they did that, and I almost think that would be something they would need to do. They would need to jump it ahead, make Judith an adult, or at least an older teenager. So she can have, you know, so she's not a child and needs constant supervision and so on. They would need to do something like that. Um, select cast members could stay. Others would have to be gone. Um, but I don't know. I'm, who knows, who knows what, what they could do there. It might work. It might not. I just think they've, I think they've taken a pretty bold step already in, in what they're doing here. Um, I am glad I agree with you. I'm glad that the, the future stuff was just a fantasy and this is sort of their belief of what things could be like, because I don't see a universe where Negan is working in the garden like that and everybody's fine with it with it well, after if what you he's get done. rid of the bat i'm sure he's a very nice guy maybe the bat needs to be buried deep somewhere oh just burned you know burned. burn the bat eliminated yeah and um, don't breathe in the smoke and that's it uh and then just sort of the twist of of rick red-eyed rick as we've been as we've called him the twist of that being something other than him mourning over his son's dead body i think was actually really well done and it's clearly raised a lot of questions for us with some potential answers, but we just don't really know yet. So I I don't know. I'm feeling like Rick is working or they're working towards Rick's end. We'll have to see in general, though. I thought this episode was pretty good, pretty damn good. It could have been cut down to an hour. It did not need to be an hour and 20 minutes. Uh, There was an awful lot of, you know, just Carl lying there talking um, which I think could have been done a little bit more efficiently, but at the end of the day, I didn't, it didn't really bother me that much. And I think they handled it pretty well. Yeah. Overall. I think overall I did like this episode. Uh, mm-hmm. one of the things that I really liked was that we didn't see Negan proper, like actual Negan, Jeffrey Dean Morgan until the very end. Well, we didn't, like if he had been, you know, sprinkled throughout the episode and then showed up, it wouldn't have been as impactful. Absolutely. It wouldn't have been. And we didn't need him in this episode at all. We needed, we needed that bit at the end for the, for the, oh my gosh moment. Um, but no, this, this episode was about Carl and his last moments, how he became the, the man he did and what he's leaving behind in, in his effect on his, uh, father and Michonne, 
too. I mean, Michonne's very important to this whole relationship and then his sister as well. So yeah, I think they did a pretty good job with all that and I enjoyed it. It was a pretty good mid season finale and I'm looking forward to the rest of the season. So yeah. And good stuff, you know, <laughs> it's kind of sad to say, but I'm happy Carl died. Oh yeah. In, in a, in a way, like I'm not happy that he's dead, but I'm happy that he's not dead. Not alive? <laughs> Alive. I'm happy that they didn't try and keep him alive somehow. Right. Because that, you know, that was my biggest fear, my biggest concern. And so they didn't do that at all. Uh, and I think maybe uh, Robert Kirkman actually made a statement where he didn't out and out lie. Because he, there was a statement where he was saying that uh, Carl's situation will be very impactful. Uh-huh. Right. And that could have been construed a number of ways. And I think it's, that's a paraphrase of what he said. But uh, what I think he said came true in that Carl did die, but the effect of that is going to be seen throughout the remainder of this season and probably beyond because he did have an impact on Rick's decision decisions that he will make in the future. For sure. That might have been Gimple. But either way, oh, could have been. Gimple was the one who said that the bite will play out like other bites do on this show. Yeah. Um, then Kirkman was the guy who came out f- a few weeks ago and said, Carl might not die. You never know. You haven't seen it yet. Uh, right. <laughs> however, both of them probably reinforced the idea that whatever happens will be very impactful on the show. And it clearly is going to be. Yeah, I agree with that. And but, so I'm glad. Yes. And I'm glad that it played, it's playing out that way and not playing out as in, oh my God, doctor saved him because he, uh, because of magic. I because don't know. yeah, there's no reason. Um, but no, you're absolutely right. And just to put it another way, I'm, I'm unhappy that Carl is dead, but I'm happy with the way it played out in terms yeah. of the uh, story in the episode. I, I agree with I that. I don't, statement. I don't want Carl to be off the show, but now that he is, they, handled it pretty well and they didn't fuck around with us you know they didn't screw around with the audience and try to fool us and this and that they didn't draw it out for seven episodes no they just kind of went okay we got to deal with this and they dealt with it they did it was a whole episode dedicated to him that's fine he's a massive important character in this story uh but they could have drawn this out over the entire back half of season eight and that would have just lessened the impact in my opinion. And hopefully uh, Chandler Riggs' father can calm down a little bit as well. <laughs> and that, uh, you know, Chandler will get another job. He's going to, he's going to keep working. He's like, he's Carl on The Walking Dead for crying out loud. He's going to get another job. And his dad's going to be like, well, I'm glad that, uh, I'm glad that he's doing this now. Because if he was stuck in that role for another 10 episodes, 10 seasons, it might be a little bit of typecasting. But now he can move on and do like groovy things. He can, he can do stuff and be in TV and movies and, you know, do voiceover and video games and stuff. He's he, going to, he's going to, he's got a long career ahead of him. He totally does. He put out some music, you know, he auditioned for a uh, young Han Solo. Didn't get it. I'm afraid as we know. And he auditioned for Spider-Man, auditioned for Spider-Man. Right. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. yeah. Get out there. Get some auditions. You're going to get some rejections. Get yourself uh, in a Marvel movie. You'll be fine. Yeah. Get yourself, you know, do something like that to watch out for uh, sexual predators while you're doing your audition process. Oh and, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, keep, keep, keep your head on a swivel. That's all I'm saying. It's, it's important advice in a hockey game and in life. Yeah. All right. So there you go. Mid-season premiere of 
The Walking Dead Season 8. Of course, we're going to run straight through for seven more weeks now with the rest of this this season. Um, Normally, this is the time in the podcast where we read your holy crap moments. Uh, But because, number one, we're recording a little earlier in the day than usual here on a Monday... Um, we're going to skip that and we're going to build it all into our feedback show later on this week, um, which we will be doing on Thursday, right? Thursday. That's the plan. That's the plan. That's the current thinking. That's good. I like that. Let's stick to it. Uh, so there will be more, uh, so send those in. We'll, we'll read as many as we can on Thursday in addition to all your feedback. And also because this episode was a little bit longer and I think warranted a bit of an extra discussion there at the end. So we will, um. We will uh, wrap it up here today and then do extra feedback on Thursday night. So if you would like to get in touch with us to send in that feedback, there are a number of ways. You can visit our website, TalkingDeadPodcast.com, where you can find all of our back episodes, but also click on send voicemail at the top to send us a quick recorded message if you would like. You can find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash TheTalkingDead or on Twitter at TalkingDead, and you can send all of your emails to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. Once again, thank you to Casper for sponsoring this episode. You can get $50 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash talkingdead and using the promo code talkingdead at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. We will talk to you again later this week. Until then, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Keep your head on a swivel.